Well, today we are continuing, perhaps finishing, our um, sequence of sermons on Abraham, Abram changing his name to Abraham. And today's message is the promise fulfilled. And we noticed that last week we had Abraham trying to fulfill his promise and, and his own understanding and his own way of making things happen. And that's when he ever he had the son Ishmael to Hagar. Well, Abraham here is this hero of our faith, and he is called the father of the faithful. He is calling his life, his travels are all part of the walk of a believing person trying to do the best they can with where they're at and living out the promises that he has received within his heart. And it's quite a change from Abram, the idol maker and Ur of the Chaldees, in which he made, you know, that was his living, he and his father's living, making idols. Jewish tradition has that, that he was an idol maker, and here he was making all of these gods, and these gods that he made never spoke to him, never influenced his life, but there was a God of creation that spoke to him and changed his life, called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that he would show him. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 to 18 says this. When God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. Putting his own reputation on the line, he said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham struck out. Stuck out. St you know what? I'm having trouble talking today. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll blame it on my um, Bell's palsy or whatever it is, but it's, it's not working very well today for whatever reason. So anyhow, if I get tongue-tied, please forgive me. So um, he struck out. Where would he go? He stuck it out. There you go. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that he had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is like, likewise unchangeable. So here we have that Abraham, his life is written for us, not only in the book of Genesis, but it's referred to throughout the scriptures and referred to by Jesus himself and referred to uh, throughout the, you know, the, book, the book of the, the New Testament. So we find him being given to us. So the story of Abraham is not just a folklore. It's not a folklore of history of campfire stories that people have passed down to one another. But we find where Abraham is a very real person encountering very real difficulties, living them out through very real promises. And this is where I, I look for our lives in the sense that we live our life in a very real world. We have very real situations that you face every day. And we have very real promises that God has given to us that come together. And it's the the clashing or the mingling of these promises together that gives us hope. Just to give a little bit of history from where we are, were last week to where we are today, in Genesis 17.3, 
we know that God appeared to Abraham to change his name. And he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means I'm making you the father of many nations. Now, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine going down to the local post office and saying, at 99 years of age, saying, you know what? I'd like to change my name. I'd like to change my name from Abram to Abraham. I'm going to father many nations. And you see, I wander around the desert looking for a place, or I found a place that God is going to give me and my descendants, but other people live there, but it's actually mine. And I'm going to change my name to the father of many nations. Now, I know my wife hasn't had any children, and she's 90 years old, but what's that? <laughs> so can you imagine this type of encounter that going, that's going on in Abraham's mind? And when Sarah, and we see that he's saying that God is speaking to me, and at 99 years of age, he's going to change his name from Abram to Abraham. And I'm going to change Sarai, I'm going to change her name to Sarah, because God says, I will bless her and give her a son by her. Okay, any ladies here 90 years of age? Okay, can you imagine adding a few years on to where you're at? Just a lot of years on to where you're at <laughs> and being 90 years old and uh, you're, you're saying, you know, you're going to have another baby at 90. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, in chapter 17, Abraham fell flat on his face this is God speaking to him. He's going to have a kid. He's going to have a child. 99. Sarah is going to have a child at 90. And this is what Abram did. Abram fell flat on his face, and then he laughed. <laughs> did you ever laugh at the face of God? <laughs> did you ever laugh at the promises that God puts into your life? Like, yeah, right, that's going to happen to me. So Abram falls on his face, and he begins to laugh. He says, can a 100-year-old man have a son? And can Sarah, 90 years old, have a baby? Would you laugh at that? Well, I would. So we understand that faith is not the absence of doubt. And faith is not the ability to figure everything out. There is always a struggle in our life between what we believe that God wants to do and what is going to happen. The baby. Robert. Robbie. What's he going to be? What, what is he going to be when he grows up? I'm still wondering that myself. But what you, what's he going to be when he grows up? There's, what's the potential inside of the child? What's the potential that is there? And you see, even at 90, 99, God is telling Abraham, you've got something more. He's telling Sarah at 90, there are promises that haven't yet been fulfilled in your life. And how many of us and in our lives is God saying to us, you haven't reached the end. You're not in the middle. You're just beginning. It's just part, you know, we're part of a process of who we're going to become. And so we find that, you know, I, I like this little analogy. He said, if there were no faith, there could never be doubt. 
if we didn't expect something, there couldn't be a doubt that it'll happen. So we focus then on canceling out something that we expect to happen. And God is saying to us, who, I, I, I challenge ourselves and challenge us, who gives us our dreams? Who gives us the desires of our heart? Who gives to us, puts those things in place inside of us? It's not there yet. We're not finished yet. We've got a long way to go. But God has a way of working in our lives and working this out. Well, in chapter 18, we have the conflict over Sodom and Gomorrah and how that it's going to be destroyed. And Abram uh, bargains with God that, God, if you'll just save ten, find, find ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, well, it didn't happen, and Lot and his wife and two daughters escaped. And what happened to his wife? She looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Right? A little boy in Sunday school said, that's nothing. My, my mom, she looked back and turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyhow... Chapter 20, this is one of those chapters we would think could never happen again to Abraham. Abraham. And for the second time, now if you, if you want to understand, Sarah, Sarai, is a very, very beautiful woman. Because at 90, Abram goes to this country where the Abimelech king is, and he is afraid that he at 99 is going to be killed because this king is going to want his wife, who's 90, to be part of his harem. And he doesn't want to die, so he tells Sarah for the second time, pretend to be my sister. Well, what happens? The king says, whoa, I want her in my harem. And, <laughs> and God came to the king and said, you're going to be dead if you touch this woman. That's, that's the McGee paraphrase translation. And, um, well, actually, the Message Bible says that he was as good as dead in his dream, and he jumped out of, you know, whatever bed, and he ran to, took Sarah out and gave her back to Abram and says, get out of here. Don't you come back. She's your wife. But Abraham, and the point there is, here is this guy who has, for 25 years, been following God and still has doubts about what's going to happen with his life. So you see, in our lives, we, we don't, it's not the absence of doubt. It's, it's the presence of faith. And sure, there are going to be things that go wrong, and sure, there are going to be times of doubt and confusion, and all those are going to happen, but that's not, our life isn't based upon what doesn't go right. Our life is based upon the decisions we make. Excuse me, I, I said that wrong. Our life is not based upon the things that go wrong. Our life is based upon the decisions that we make after they go wrong. Because we all are going to end up on our face, falling down. It's a matter of getting up again. It isn't that we will never fail. It's how many times do you get up. And getting up is the most important thing. Because falling is going to happen. And Robert there is going to fall learning how to walk, learning how to maneuver things, and we're going to stand around and, you know, watch this, and, he's going, and you know, he's going to learn how to walk, and we're all going to be excited. But how many times does he have to fall to learn how to balance himself? 
How many times do we have to fail to learn how to know the balance of God's word in our lives? So, Genesis 21. It has been almost a year since Abraham has, Abraham has had this promise that his name would be changed from Abram to Abraham and Sarah to Sarai. So it's been almost a year. And so in Genesis 21, the scripture says, God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God did to Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and gave Abram a son in his old age. And at the very time God had set, Abraham named him Isaac. When his son was eight days old, Abram circumcised him just as God had commanded. Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter. This was, this was, you know, in her culture, it was almost, it was a curse from God that she couldn't have a child. But at 90 years old, God has blessed me with such joy. He has brought laughter into my life that this is such an impossible thing. But yet it happened. Bless me with laughter and all who get the news will laugh with me. And then she also said, whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah would one day nurse a baby. Yet, here I am. I've given the old man a son. <laughs> I've given that old man a son. She's you know, 90. I'm not old. He's old. <laughs> so the baby grew and was weaned. Abraham threw a big party on the day Isaac was weaned. So who could have believed? that Abram would have a son at 100 years of age. Doing the impossible is everyday business for God. God doesn't have a problem doing the impossible. He just has a hard time finding people who will allow the impossible to take place in their life. He has a hard time finding people who will allow the impossible to take place. Because we're so set in our understanding, in our limitations, in our boxes, in our performances, our masks that we wear to life and to work and to around, it's, it's hard to find or to think that something out of the ordinary could really happen because we don't want to be disappointed. We don't like disappointment. So why should I believe in something better? I should just be happy with what I got. And that's not what life is about. We are to be thankful in all things, but God has a purpose and a plan in which we are continuing to grow personally and develop who we are as an individual and how that our life is to change and will change. And because things happen and changes come into our life, you know, we consider them bad, but who knows whether it's that exact event is going to lead us down that particular road to get to what we need to be in the first place. So the way to bring peace to a troubled heart then is to focus on God's promises. Trust his word to our life, and for Abraham and Sarah it would appear that all is well. They've had their son, 100 years old, got his son, and uh, Isaac is born, Promise is fulfilled. 
we're living our life, we're, we're tenting here in the, on the countryside, we're pretty wealthy, we have all the camels and the sheep and the goats and the servants and everything we need, it's all good. We're just out here living the nomad life, taking it easy. <laughs> Chapter 22. After all this, God tested Abraham. The difference between a test and a trial, temptation. We'll do test and temptation. A test is to give us an understanding of where we're at. Ask a teacher. <laughs> What's a test for? Well, what do your children understand? What do they know? We want to find that out. A temptation is for to lead us astray, to take us away from God, to bring doubt, steal, kill, and destroy, take away from who we are. God never tempts us. He will never tempt us. God cannot be tempted with evil. He does not bring evil into our life. He may allow temptation or something to come into our life, but it's only, it will only come in an area in which we find our weakness. The devil never comes to hit us head on with our strengths. He comes in the back door where our weaknesses are, which we think we have hidden. Well, know that when God tests us, it's always for our benefit. Because God already knows the outcome. He wants us to know and to believe. So, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham. Yes, answered Abraham, I'm listening. He said, Take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Remember that, land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will point out to you. So here he goes again. He is leaving for a place that he doesn't know where he's going. He has a general direction, and God is going to tell him that when you get there, I'll tell you you're there. And so Abraham obeys. Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young servants and his son Isaac. He had split the wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had directed him. And on the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance. So here is Abram, recognizing that God has spoken to him. He picks up the wood, the flint, and the knife. And Isaac is dead in his heart. He's got a broken heart. Didn't tell Sarah. <laughs> hey, Sarah, you know our son. I'm going to go kill him. What? This has got to be crazy. And Abram had to listen to the, he listened to all of this and how that God was doing a work in his life and how that God was, you know, challenging him by his word. And God spoke to him and said, go and to this place and sacrifice him. So for three days, he carried dead Isaac in his heart. Abram told his two younger servants, stay here with the donkey. So they've arrived at this place in this land of Moriah, which is a general area. We would say it would be like, uh, we live in Pittsburgh, 
And I want you to go to Somerset County, to a place that when you get there, I'm going to show you what you're to do next. So you take off walking to Somerset County. You don't know exactly where you're going, but whenever you get to where you are, I'm going to tell you you're there. So Abraham goes to this this area called Moriah. He comes to this mountainside, this place, and he says, this is it. He tells the servants, you stay here. And what happens? The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then what? What's the little word here? Then will we we will come back to you. We are going there. What is Abraham going to do? He's going to kill his son. Out of obedience to God, he's going to kill his son. But he says, we're coming back. Abraham believed in the resurrection. Abraham believed that that this son, Isaac, was the chosen son. And he didn't understand. He didn't didn't have a concept of how this was going to be. He knew that that this son, he had heard from God, that he was going to die. But he also knew that this son was the son of promise. And that this son of promise was through all of his descendants were going to be blessed through this son. And he's going to go over there and kill him. But there's only one thing that can happen. He has to come back from the dead. Wow. Isaac, okay, Abraham took the wood, verse, verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and what did he do? He gave it to Isaac, his son to carry. So Isaac carried the wood to the place of sacrifice. Verse 9, Isaac said to the father, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but, all we, all but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham said, Son, God will see to it that there is a sheep for the burnt offering, and they keep on walking together. There's no turning back for Abraham. There's no turning back. He knows what is in front of him. He knows what he must do, but he believes that God is going to supply the offering. God is going to supply what is necessary for this sacrifice, but he knows that he himself must continue going. Verse 9. They arrived at the place to which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Isaac, in many pictures, is is pictured as a little child, like five years old, six years old. No. Isaac is about 16, 18. He had the ability to overpower his father, but he would not overpower his father. He submitted to the will of his father and allowed himself to be bound and laid on the altar to be killed. And Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Abraham had to do this. 
because he knew this is what God had spoken. You see, Abraham is the guy, the father of our faith. But he is also, Isaac, his son, is a lot like Jesus, our Savior. Abraham is a lot like God, our Father. And you see that just as Abraham is ready to kill his son, Abraham, Abraham, the angel said, and Abraham said, yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. I know how fearless you are, how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. He was willing to give everything he had to follow God's command. God doesn't want human sacrifice. God has never wanted human sacrifice. Abraham doesn't know that. He's the first of his kind. In our life, God doesn't want us to kill ourselves. We lay ourselves upon the altar of God as a living sacrifice. We live our life out for God. We dedicate our children that we will sacrifice our faith, not our children. We will give ourselves to God's direction for our life for our children. Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God always provides, takes us to a place where we don't have a choice. And God says, I will provide. Abraham named the place God Yireh, or in the King James, it's called Jehovah Jireh, which is the Lord will provide. And it is in this place that we look at in our life that God is our provision. If we need healing, health, we ask for God's touch upon our life. If we need work, money, we pray that God will provide. If we need strength, we pray for God's provision. Jehovah Jireh is a place where we arrive at and it's like we have nothing left to go on but our faith and a promise. And it is there that God comes through as the provider of our life. The birth of Isaac is a miraculous birth. Sarah is long beyond the age of having children, but they have a child. Jesus was born of a virgin. Abraham was called to go to the land of Moriah. Where is the land of Moriah? It is the area around Jerusalem. What was he to do in this place? He was there that he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. In this land of Moriah, there is a hill called Golgotha. And it is no stretch of the imagination that Jesus carried the cross up the same hill that Isaac carried the wood and laid himself down 
as a willing sacrifice of his father. Abraham carried dead Isaac in his heart for three days. And it was there upon the altar that he received him back to life. Abraham believed in the resurrection. He says, we will come back. When we face the departures of our loved ones, we will see them again. We believe in the resurrection. They built an altar made of stone and wood. Jesus laid himself upon the cross and told them, you do not take my life, I give it. Abraham raised the knife to kill his son. And he said, don't. God will provide himself a lamb. Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is, and the last verse I want to read is verse 20 through 23. I'm going to put that up. After all this, Abram got the news. Your brother Nahor is the father. Milcah has given him children. Uz, his firstborn, his brother Buzz, Kimuel, he was the father of Abram, Kesed, Hazo, Philadash, Jildad, and Bethel. Bethel was the father of, who is it? Who is the bride of Isaac? Rebekah. When Isaac is taken off of the altar, his bride is born. When Jesus rose from the dead, his bride is born. The church of Jesus Christ. That's you. <laughs> See, the challenge is that we don't, our, our faith is not built on circumstance. Our faith is not built on whims and schemes and religions and denominations and doctrines. Our faith is based upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as far back as it, as it begins with Abraham and follows through Abraham, there's pictures and there's types and there's reflections and all of these things line up with Jesus who is the Messiah, who is our Savior, who is the Lamb of God, who is the one who forgives us of our sins. He is the one we celebrate in communion. His shed blood, his broken body. All of this we see, much of this we see in Isaac. And as we have looked at Abraham, we've seen his journeys. We've seen, he's not this perfect man. He's this guy who has doubts and promises and, and impulses and and, and lies, and, and still comes back to Bethel, the place where he met with God. And this is what goes on in our life. We may have doubts, and we may have 
lies and we may have things that go wrong, but we always get up. We always rise up in our faith because Christ is alive in our hearts and he makes a difference in each of us. He not only is our savior, saves us from our sins. He is our friend. He is our strength. He is our companion. He is the one who loves us. He is the one who walks with us. He is the one who's never so far away as to be just near. I can never be anywhere out of his presence. And we see these pictures, these pictures of life, these pictures of love, pictures of sacrifice. We see how that this picture of Isaac paints a portrait of how that God loves us and how that as Isaac fulfilled, as Abraham went to fulfill the promise, the direction that God had placed in his life, we see that same picture in Jesus Christ. Some, it is said that Abraham lived about 1948 B.C. <laughs> so somewhere in that time frame, the beginning of our faith was there. And from that point to the birth of Christ, we see all of these promises coming together. Our faith is based on a substance of all of these promises worked out in the lives of others and then comes to us. And it's in this place of these promises we find our faith. Amen? Shall we stand? Jesus, we dedicate ourselves to you. We ask you, O oh God, for your forgiveness. We place ourselves in the arms of our Father. And if ever I fall, I am safe there. Whether in this life or the life to come, I am safe. Whether in happiness or whether in sorrow, I am safe. Whether things go the way I plan or the whole world falls apart, I am safe. You are working out a purpose. We ask, O oh God, that you continue to minister to us, live out your life in us, live out your promises in us. Forgive us of every sin, O oh God. Establish our heart. Establish our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore, knowing, Lord, that you are the one who will walk with us and talk with us by your spirit and your word. You will give us the assurance of eternal life and of a purpose and a plan for this day. We ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we all pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a handshake or a hug. <laughs>